0: I think it's about time for me to rhyme like a rapper Maybe even start to walk and talk like a rapper I wear gold chains that are flat like a rapper As I walk down the block looking dapper like a rapper Like a what? Like a like, like, like a, rap, like a, rap, like a-
1: Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of a new podcast, OTG at the Movies, uh, part of the OTG basketball family of podcasts, reminding everyone to check out otgbasketball.com for all of your basketball content, from draft content, your free agency, your favorite team, pop culture, and everything in between, OTG basketball has you covered. On this pod, as I said, OTG at the Movies will be covering some of your favorite movies, uh, blockbusters that are released in the summertime, and also a few of your classics. With me, as always, is my host, my co-host, my wingman, partner in crime, Chris Green. Chris, what's going on, buddy?
0: Not much, Jay. Ready to run down the movies. And uh, I was going to make a Mission Impossible joke, but I fell flat. So that's where I'm at.
1: <laughs> Great segue. Uh, and as I said <laughs> earlier, uh, my, my name is Jay Christian. You can find me on Twitter at J Chris, J A Y C H R S 206, just like the Seattle area code, at J Chris 206. Chris, tell the people your Twitter handle.
0: I'm at Gotham underscore city 2355, and I'm welcoming all
1: Batman debates, please. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, so, Chris, as the intrepid professional that he is, gave us a nice teaser. We thought for our inaugural episode, we would start with the movie that everyone's talking about in theaters right now. We'll discuss Mr. Box Office himself. Tom Cruise, another installment of Mission Impossible. This being number six in the franchise. Mission Impossible Fallout. Chris and I will discuss an aging perhaps uh, Superstar leading man in action films will be we thought about the story, what kind of rating we give the movie and everything in between. So uh, just a quick refresher for anyone and a quick um, what's the word here? Uh, what am I disclaimer? that uh, these pods will contain spoiler alerts, or spoilers, rather. So if you have not seen the movies we are discussing, now's a good time to turn off this particular episode, go check out that movie, come right back, and hear what we have to say about it. Um, or if
0: you don't have time to watch the full movie, our expose is going to be good enough to fill you in,
1: I'll say. I like the way you think, my friend. That was yes. really, really well done. <laughs> So for everyone keeping score back home, Mission Impossible Fallout, as I said, is the sixth installment of the Mission Impossible franchise. Mission Impossible, of course, the movie franchise, being based on the popular show from the 1960s. Uh, in this particular installment, we find our hero, Ethan Hunt, played by the incomparable Maverick, a.k.a. Tom Cruise. This is set two years after the capture of Solomon Lane, who was the baddie in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, we find him captured and some of his... Um, Remaining people from his uh, syndicate, as it was known as Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, uh, have reformed and called themselves the Apostles. And the Apostles, the terrorist organization, looking to get their hands on some plutonium cores, if you can believe it, Chris Green. Yeah. And so to a fundamentalist named John Lark. Of course, Ethan Hunt's mission, should he choose to accept it, which he does, and we're on this ride for two and a half hours later, uh, is to find the plutonium cores, find John Stark, keep Solomon laying at bay and also get himself entangled in a world of espionage and double cross. So Chris, I'll give you first crack after that setup. what do you think of mission possible fallout?
0: I'd like to first say that Superman is a bastard and <laughs> in every respect of the way, um, I, I don't, you know, whether it was the trailers that sort of let loose that, you know, when they showed the helicopter scene in the trailer with, um, I'll go ahead and say John Lark shooting at Ethan Hunt. Uh, It kind of set up that he was going to maybe be the bad guy uh, beyond Solomon Lane. So it kind of was, it kind of spoiled itself, I felt like. Um, I was a little disappointed with the. I don't know what to call it. It's it's in Black Panther. He's got the Wakanda forever that he's going to forever be known for. That's going to yes. be his move that everyone asks for. And I think that the is it is it arm cocking that Henry Cavill does
1: on social media as reloading. And just a little note to our listeners. Uh, what Chris is referring to is Henry Keeble's character or Cavill's character, uh, August Walker, who's a CIA agent. As everyone's seen in those previews, I believe is him reloading the guns, uh, the gun show yeah, okay. reloading. Uh, yeah, reloading so, sounds good. Yeah, and so Chris, please proceed.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna. Uh, that's gonna be his Wakanda forever. I'm gonna think so. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed by how that fight scene even took place. They kind of got their ass handed to him
1: by uh, by the Chinese <laughs> fellow. <laughs> so, and and I, I think there are two things there, right? With, with we'll start out with the beginning of the movie. I and I, I don't want to get your thoughts on this. So when I saw, um, you know, he'll always be Clark Kent to me. Uh, Gable's right. <laughs> character, uh, August Walker, show up in the previews, even without the machine gun scene with the helicopter, just the the um, the uh, reloading of the guns and all of his scenes with Angela Bass in the previews. I thought, okay, for sure, this guy's a baddie for real. I didn't get the vibe. So in Rogue and sorry, Ghost Protocol, uh, Mission Impossible Four, uh, Jeremy Renner's character. Uh, has a pass and kind of shadowy figure and he drives the team. But at no point did I think, okay, he's really going to double cross Ethan in the uh, IM force. I thought at the end of the day, he seems suspicious, but he's really working on the same side as Ethan Hunt. I thought from jump that August Walker was going to be a bad guy in some way, shape, form.
0: Well, and I think part of my thinking was Tom Cruise isn't going to let someone overshadow him. That is bigger, better looking. Maybe be the new thing to take over his franchise. So, never once did I have the feeling of, well, maybe this is a guy that kind of takes over for Ethan Hunt if something perilous happens to Ethan Hunt. So, I didn't even have that thinking. So, that's even more so why I thought Superman's going to be the worst. And I'm just going to say Superman because that's what he is, and he's the worst.
1: <laughs> I mean, and that's another pod for another day. I think about because Mar- when I, as you know, um, as you know, Chris. Uh, Listeners may know I am a vowed Superman, a vowed Superman lover. Uh, which is <laughs> your love? I mean, Gotham is in your Twitter handle to see yes. where you stand on the issue. But yes. um, 1978, Christopher Reeves, Richard Donner, Superman uh, still remains the standard, uh, even with Man of Steel, which had its moments. Um, I still am very loyal to that 1978 Christopher Reeve cut. Rest in peace. So that will always be my Superman. But for the purposes of this discussion, Henry August Walker will always be uh, Superman in this discussion on yes. this pod. Um, so let me ask you this: you, you touched on something that I think is interesting. Um, I, you know, I saw this movie, and my and my wife and I saw it together. And I was thinking, and she made this point about maybe I don't know if it's a reboot of the franchise, but this idea of the Mission Impossible team keeps going, and there is this handoff, this mantle of where it's just the team, right? You have a few people, sort of a – um, what's the show? What's the, the true detective? Sort of a true detective thing where after a couple films, you get a new cast, and it's a new Mission Impossible force, and you keep it kind of going for, you know. Right. Uh,
0: Every bosses. Mission Impossible seems to either – I guess since really uh, – was Ving Rhames a part of Mission Impossible 2? Or was he in the third? He
1: was first three, and then he was just kind of there in four. So uh, he was there from you.
0: the beginning in one. He was
1: there from the beginning.
0: Yep. Okay. Well, he's, he's the only the carryover two. from number one, and it did seem like they kind of interchanged people, I guess, since his team died in the first one, spoiler alert, uh, besides being yeah. Um They did kind of carry. He's the only carry through all the way through, but then with, you know, Paula Patton showing up and, I guess, Ghost Protocol, uh, yep. She obviously wasn't in Rogue Nation. But yeah, they seem to keep the kind of core since... Um, although I didn't see Jeremy Renner in this one.
1: So I read on, I want to say Hollywood Reporter, that they offered him a chance to uh, and I'm trying to remember the opening scene. I didn't make the exchange the Plutonium cores. A scene where he was in a cameo at the beginning and then I think his character died. But Renner turned it down. I don't know if, if it was because his character died or if he was just scheduling conflicts or whatever, but they offered him a chance in the movie, uh, at least from a cameo. capacity. But uh, he said, uh, thanks for no things.
0: Interesting. I would have liked it if maybe he was the character that kind of got held at ransom there, like Bing rains did. And then maybe Tom Cruise couldn't save Jeremy Renner's character in a kind of a flip r- role reversal from how Jeremy Renner felt, uh, in rogue nation, not being right. able to save his wife, but anyway.
1: So, well, so we talk about that fight scene. Everyone again, there's, that's the one that's in the previews with the uh, bathroom. The guns are reloaded, and you think, all right, Superman's about to kick some ass. Uh, yeah. But they're actually what happens in that scene. They're actually he and Ethan Hunt are actually working together to fight a guy they suspect to be the mysterious fundamentalist John Lark. And this guy, as Chris alluded to, put them both in the freaking hurtlock. And
0: oh my god, he <laughs> he works them.
1: <laughs> I mean he literally has to get shot by um by Tom Cruise's uh, love interest from Rogue Nation uh Elsa uh, Agent Faust I want to say or Faust yeah.
0: Elsa uh, Elsa Faust I think
1: Elsa Faust yeah, yeah. Remember my six Rogue Nation uh but yeah she literally has to shoot this guy the imposter John Mark to keep him from kicking both their asses and killing them so that, that was one I bad. I did
0: I did read one theory though that said that in that fight scene perhaps um, Superman wasn't trying as hard to necessarily protect Tom Cruise's character since he kind of wanted him dead uh, from the beginning. But it seemed to me Damn, like he was.
1: I've than taking that L.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it, it, I th- I'm thinking it's just a Cavill apologist uh, wanting to make excuses because he took an L.
1: <laughs> so, and I, and I'm sure you know this too. Um, there was a big, big to-do when uh, they were filming this movie because apparently, and I, I think of it as the directors being, or the producers being petty, uh, uh, um, Superman was shooting Justice League and Mission Impossible at the same time. Right. And Mission they wrapped Well, so Impossible apparently,
0: producer, yeah, they, they, right. wrapped, they wrapped Justice League, and then because of the extensive reshoots, because they felt Justice League was too dark... They had to go back in and lighten up moments, but he was already full mustached in in Mission Impossible. That's so it was, that's it was reshoots that he had to come back for.
1: And and so instead of him shaving, I think it's CGI'd out, or what did they?
0: Yeah, they, they spent, it, it was it was like $3 million that um, Warner Brothers would have had to have paid the, is it Paramount that does Mission Impossible? Uh, Whoever the studio is, um, uh, they would have had to pay him $3 million. They felt like that was too much. They felt like they had good enough CGI, which if you saw Justice League, uh, Steppenwolf CGI is Walmart brand CGI. It is garbage. So thinking they could just CGI over a mustache was the worst (laughs) move possible. And his mustache wasn't even, they, they interviewed Cavill about it and he said the reason why he couldn't shave it and then they put just a fake mustache over the top was they were filming that helicopter scene and the mustache would just fly off. And so they yeah. needed the real mustache for that particular purpose. But it ruined Justice League. You already know my opinion on that movie. And it didn't seem to be, if his if his character in Mission Impossible didn't have a mustache, I wouldn't have all of a sudden not believed him to be an American a uh, government worker.
1: <laughs> I think that's so that's interesting. So uh this is going a little bit off the path. But that that idea of when we're dealing with the Brits, we gotta let the audience know because the audience isn't smart enough to figure out okay, right. these guys are the British folk and the Americans have the mustache. They right. did the same thing I would argue in the Kingsman um the sequel, uh Golden Circle or whatever it is where where they meet up with the guy uh, from Narcos has a thick mustache oh yeah like, you're right
0: yep you're I right
1: just to say look he's the american he's <laughs> right the
0: yeah the american look for some reason is mustache if you're british because tom cruise is american doesn't have a mustache which is right weird. right
1: um although idris elba has a mustache usually he's usually rocking a mustache. oh that's true that is so, true um, is it yeah, every british actor now uh I think it goes. It comes and goes. I think we're in a I think a we're in a mustache theory, though. That's a good theory. I mean we'll tease it out. We'll see we'll see all what right. else we can find. We'll come back. To um it. so in terms of you know every mission impossible, I think, you know, there's always press about Tom Cruise doing his own stunts, and this time Tom Cruise jumped off this wall, or another time he ran this way. Um first of yeah, all, can we talk the- about
0: the full sprint that he did
1: for four football field lengths? This because, please. So I was in the moment in the movie where I think Ving Rhames' character, Luther, tells Tom Cruise to go get the bad guy, go get August Walker. And I am right. like, I looked at my mom, kid you not, I said, oh, he's going to start running. <laughs> and, and, and Chris, take it from there. Yes.
0: I, I'm pretty sure he would get a spot on all 30 NFL teams because what he displayed there was combine-ready athleticism. <laughs> Nobody runs that much. He wasn't <laughs> even winded at the end. And, but then for them to suggest that he barely missed Henry Cavill, who was moonwalking to his target, it was ludicrous.
1: <laughs> so there's a very extensive, as Chris is alluding to, a very extensive, I mean, it, it's become a staple of the franchise now, quite frankly. The Tom Cruise, I got to run across the Serengeti or across Paris or... You know,
0: yeah, um, because he ran happened. from a sandstorm in Rogue Nation. He ran from the Kremlin in Ghost Protocol. Um, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm in M.I.
1: Green, he of a building in Beijing. Like,
0: oh, that's right. Yeah, you're
1: right. Yep. Yeah, he it runs it. a style video, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wu-Tang Triumph reference. I think the only track where every Wu-Tang member is on the track, by the way, a little Wu-Tang trivia for you. Yeah, I think you're right, um, actually um so okay so how how bought in are you to the idea of tom cruise being the action star because i thought you know so here's the thing i I call it the fast and furious factor you'll say that five times fast um where you know when paul walker paul walker's a bad example when vin diesel uh you know gets his you know miata hit by a train or his nissan hit by a train and he walks away, I'm like, alright, I can have fun for two hours, because if that shit happened, then the rest of this is going to be unbelievable, and I can suspend disbelief for two hours. I've yes. kind of gotten there with Mission Impossible. Like, Tom Cruise is going through the streets, he doesn't have a helmet on, his motorcycle, he's going, you know, top speed, has a motorcycle crash, and just kind of limps away. I'm like, that's not how that would happen in real life. So what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Um, it is one of those movies where I like I mean, I like the dialogue they choose. I like the action scenes, but it, it, I mean, it's exactly how you described it. You, you know that whatever you're watching, no harm is ever going to come to Ethan Hunt. So it kind of right. takes some of the mystery out of it uh, right. because, you know, is, uh, and this movie was a good movie by the standards of Mission Impossible. So they're going to make a seven and they're going to make an eight. And as long as we know they're going to keep making them, he's never going to die. Right. Um, I like these movies better than the James Bond movies with uh, – uh, what's the actor's name?
1: Daniel Craig. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I like the Mission Impossible. I let me rephrase that. I like four, five, and six of Mission Impossible better than I like Daniel Craig's uh, James Bond movies. So, so, let me
1: ask you this: Where do you rank this Mission Impossible in the franchise? All
0: right. So I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of the Solomon Lane character. So I like Rogue Nation. Uh, right. Ghost Protocol is just hit or miss for me. Um I liked it okay. Uh I, I really kind of like the third Mission Impossible best. The the first Mission Impossible is the worst to me just because it's older. Uh Real? the second one, yeah, it, it's Real. just it's older by comparison whenever you jump immediately to the second one and then you all of a sudden have the face switching technology uh that they do with the Chimera, you know, the Chimera virus that was the the main plot of the second one and they're able to switch voices and change masks and all of a sudden they look like the other person. Um, the technology jump between one and two was like light years, seemingly. Um, of course, the iconic scene of any Mission Impossible is whenever he, you know, has to, uh, he gets, I guess, winched down into the the room. He can't touch anything, and that is in the first movie. But, um, if I have to sit and pick one to watch, I, I would pick the first one last every time. Uh, so, as far as where this one ranks, I would probably put it top three. Um, I like the villain in the third one. So that may put him Yeah. I like him as a villain. Uh, and he was like one of the first villains that absolutely was not scared of Ethan Hunt. Yep, uh, he, right. he was in control every time, even when he was dangled from the, from the plane. And he really got to Ethan. Um, I think more than any other villain had at that point, at least, um, right. at least putting fear into him because obviously his wife was up for grabs at that point, And in the first two movies, he wasn't married. Um, so I would put this one in the top three. Uh, I would still maybe rank rogue nation ahead of it. And, um, the third mission
1: impossible ahead of it. So where, oh, where are you at? So I have like the, I'm between one and three is my favorites. Like I have two. Oh really? My, I have two. like, get that shit out of here. Number two. I did not <laughs> like oh, Uh, I, I, I think ghost protocol for me is a Paula Patton bias. And, uh, Gosh, was the lady Maggie Q that's on his team in Gross protocol as well? No, no, no. she's not in Mission Possible Three. Sorry, um, yeah, she's in the third yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, it's with Carrie Russell. Just <laughs> join my chauvinist, you know, side here. It has nothing to do with the quality of the movie. I'm just like, look at all the hot chicks in that movie. Um, <laughs> but No, so I, think, I think you're right. I remember, I remember sitting around my computer watching the Mission Possible Three um, trailer just until the movie came out. I just thought it was so dope. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was a great villain, and you know Ethan's kind of running a spiel, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, "Look, man, you have a girlfriend, you have a wife, because I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to kill you." Yeah, and he, wife. he's
0: so matter of fact about it. And that's what I like about it. It's it's like he's done this all before to countless people, and Ethan is no different. Right.
1: And I think I and I would I would say the you know the suspension scene, uh, slash maybe the train helicopter scene from Number One are the two iconic. Shots of that move of that franchise so far, but coming right up there is the I think the bridge scene where they, um, uh, uh, his, uh who's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, henchman, uh, hatches escape from from custody uh, on the bridge where Ethan goes to the car and gets the gun. Oh and yeah, works. that's so a that pretty good I'd, one. Yeah. So uh, all that to say, I'd probably still go one. Just I was really I really liked one. Um, so probably one three. Uh I'd probably take Ghost Protocol over um over Fallout. Just I think Fallout was and this is such a cheesy thing to say. I thought it was a little too long. I thought it was maybe twin You know what?
0: Yeah. I'm with you on that. It felt long. It felt longer than than the others.
1: Like holy crap. Uh and then and then probably yeah, so then Fallout's for Um, Rogue Nation I liked, um, I, I, Rogue Nation has some great action scenes actually. Um, and, uh, God too, gosh, I would watch a lot of things before I watched Mission Impossible 2. Like he starts out on the cliff, he's like rock climbing. I'm like, holy crap. uh,
0: (laughs) And then he's clearly doing a spot for Oakley because that's where the, yeah. Um, But, uh,
1: so anyone in the film that you thought was a breakout besides the obvious, um, you know, the Tom Cruise, or Is anybody watching like, Oh man, this person's really popping off the screen for me. Um, anybody do that for you in this film?
0: You know, I, I think they underutilized being Rams, but his character is always kind of hit or miss. They kind of involve him, you know, less or more, I guess, depending on the, the script, but uh, he was kind of not in there very much. Uh, uh, you know, Benji's role was kind of magnified, I guess, really in, well, we saw more of him in Ghost Protocol uh, mm-hmm. since he was doing full-time stuff, I guess, for the first time. W- was was that the first one where he was in the field, Ghost Protocol? Yes. Yeah, still okay. yeah. and then they really involved him in Rogue Nation. Um, I liked his involvement in this one. He's always just a, a nice side character to Tom Cruise. Uh, yep. But it's it's like every movie. Tom Cruise is the star, and that's just how it's going to be. Because even in the previous movies, Paula Patton's uh, uh, involvement seemed a little forced. Right. Um, uh, and then uh, Elsa's character in Rogue Nation, I liked pretty well. And then it, what's what confuses me is that I guess since the third one, and that well, really since the fourth one, A Ghost Protocol, when we learned that his wife was not dead. I didn't yeah. understand their arrangement I was like so are they still married is he just spying and they she just happens to look places uh, and then all of a sudden she's married to a new dude in this one and then and then I'm like well okay so now he's free to go with Elsa but uh, no uh, so I guess I, I I'm like I like that they cleared that up in this one but um, I don't know if I like her character moving forward with Ethan because it seems like anytime there's a uh, Extra person tied to Ethan is just collateral damage for him moving forward making decisions.
1: So I think so. What I read on that, and I thought that was funny because it's a great so I I don't know if this person was necessarily a scene stiller, but um so uh Tom Cruise's wife from Mission possible Three, as you said, we find out she's alive in four and five or in four and go in uh Ghost Protocol. No mention of her, I don't think, in Rogue Nation. I can't remember. Um, yeah,
0: it's at the end of Ghost Protocol, and then he shows Jeremy Renner's character
1: that, no, she's still alive. Or... Yeah, and he's just kind of watching her. Um, right. So in, in Fallout, uh, somehow uh, August Walker knows he's sort of been tracking her and Solomon Lane. They all know that she's still alive. Um, <laughs> but I, so I got the sense that – and so she plays into the end of the movie very – speaking of Force, I thought it was just kind of random. Like he says, like, oh, and here's your wife or ex-wife or something. Uh, right. Uh, I was gonna say I was building up to talk about Scene Stealer. My um, man Wes Bentley as her husband just kind of shows up, <laughs> a real sort of Ned Flanders like, "Why don't you stay for dinner?" kind of thing going on. And that was Ned Flanders esque Yeah, that's good. Maybe I was just like two and a half hours in at that point. I just was like loopy. Well,
0: I like, yeah, I, I think the movie could have wrapped up after they obviously caught Superman red handed. And then it was like, no, we've got 45 more minutes. <laughs>
1: right.
0: And so, yeah, I think you're right. I was a little loopy at that time. And I kind of felt I was a little irritated that he kept talking.
1: I thought it was funny, though. It's like, what is he doing? Like, <laughs> the world, is I happening? think,
0: though, that he gave sort of the nod at the end when he realized that, hey, the entire I think it was the Indian military showed up for Tom right. Cruise, and he was right. like, yeah, hey, the whole Indian military should have for you, Doc. So I think he kind of knew at that point maybe something was off.
1: You know I was just thinking about? So uh, you just said how Tom Cruise is like the star, right? There's only right. one. Uh, Tom Cruise did a movie with Jamie Foxx. Collateral. Yep, and that's right. Jamie Foxx's boo is his ex-wife. It's got to be weird, right? Like, it's gotta be are they
0: weird. still Are they still together? Jamie Foxx oh, and, like, and Katie? They're together like... Open now, like
1: open PC. See, now.
0: I see. I only get the, I only see the tabloids at the supermarket, and it said they broke up. So I didn't.
1: No, they were on, um, they were on the beach or something, and they're kind oh, of really? And yeah, it was all like it's a thing because they like, I guess, and I'm sure this totally makes sense. I think they denied it for so long, which is probably part of the divorce settlement, um, right? Where she, well,
0: know, was Tom with Katie during Collateral?
1: Yes, because um, wow, uh, well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Because I wonder
0: yeah. if Katie Holmes was on set, although that would go against all the rumors of having Katie Holmes locked in a cage that everyone said Tom Cruise was doing.
1: Although, but I feel like, okay, I'm thinking, speaking of, I'm pretty sure, well, Brad, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie deny that anything happened on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They right. say they got back after the fact, which, you know, and they're liars. Right. But. I think Vince Vaughn, who's in that movie, I think he dated Jennifer Anderson for a short, a hot minute after that when they did the movie The Breakup and they were together at least for a little while. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Vince you're right. Vaughn, yeah, you're right. On the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Is that how that, like, maybe so? Yeah, yeah. maybe so. Anyway, I was thinking that I was picturing the movie Collateral and Jamie Foxx driving and Tom Cruise. I got to check on that because I feel like that was still like Collateral, so like 2003, 2004. Yeah, before I think. Yeah. I was still like,
0: Maybe they we were together still then. That was almost 15 years ago. I'm thinking they were together back then.
1: When did Tom Cruise jump on Oprah's couch? Let's find out when that was, and then we can work backwards from there. That is I
0: feel we're... like I wasn't in high school for that moment. That had to be college, post college. So that may have been like
1: 06, 07 that that happened. Okay. All right. So maybe I'm wrong. But still, I mean, I don't know. It's still weird. I don't know. That's, that's very weird. But Tom Cruise is a little, though. I don't know.
0: I. Amen. Is he five? What is he? Is he five six? I think five six is generous. Is he oh, like five, five five? Is he Kevin Hart range?
1: Oh no, he's taller than Kevin. I'll give that. But okay, okay, well, I
0: think Kevin Hart's like five four.
1: Okay, I'll give a five six. I'll give him five okay. six. Okay, all right, five six. I will give him five six. I see.
0: I'm a healthy five eleven for all you listeners out there just because now I've got to mention that. Sure, no, it may, has no bearing on what we're talking about now, but thanks. Not much. at all, but I'm way taller <laughs> than Tom Cruise. So it's mission possible for me,
1: Jay. It is mission possible. So my wife made the comment that Tom Cruise and she's so mean, she's cruel, mean girl. Um that Tom Cruise's face kind of looked like like you were pulling the mask off or the mask like <laughs> it looked like it was melting the whole time. Like <laughs> that was something we were talking about earlier. Did you buy into Tom Cruise still being an action star at 53? I heard on the on the Dan Levitard show a few weeks ago they were talking about Tom Cruise when this movie first came out, that he is older now, and I haven't looked this up to research it, but the Tom Cruise is older now when he did Fallout than Wilford Brimley was when he did Cocoon, like back in 1981 or something like that. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, I mean, but to be fair, Wilford Brimley looks he's looked the same, like Iron Tire. Left. Right, 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 right. 55 or 85, and I would Yeah, I mean he's always. That's interesting
0: though. uh, Putting in that perspective, that's interesting. Um, You know, he as far as you know physique, uh, I think maybe protocol was his. Maybe in between three and four would have been Tom Cruise's peak (laughs) physique, age, etc. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. Is is he mid fifties right now?
1: I think so, like fifty three. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. So maybe he would have been early forties for protocol or maybe mid forties, or I don't know how far those movies came out apart. Maybe he was late forties in that one. Uh, but as far as physique, he looked pretty good. Um, in this movie, it, it is getting to that point where it's like, and maybe it's because he was next to Superman. who's just a huge human being. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I, you know, who looked, you know, who looked really poor in this movie was Ving Rhames.
1: Oh, Ving Rhames has taken a, he, I mean, we're
0: taking him. a serious. Yeah. From, from <laughs> baby boy physique where he was gigantic over Tyrese. Right. Uh, Yeah, he's a blowfish in this one.
1: (laughs) I noticed that, too. It just kind of, like, I mean. uh, It's the first
0: thing I noticed. I was like, ooh, it's not been kind to
1: him this year. (laughs) Oh, man, I just, uh, yeah, I I noticed that, too. I try to to stay away from the personal appearance fodder. But, yeah, geez. (laughs) Well yeah, that's because
0: no one can no one can see us right now, Jay. So right. we can say whatever we want.
1: Honestly, why? We don't even have our, our our cameras on for each other. Exactly. Uh, did you see did you happen to have the Robin Hood preview at your theater? I did, yes. I thought it, ironically, with Jamie Foxx is sort of a medieval Robin Hood Magical Negro.
0: Well, well. let me tell you, obviously, everyone. it's tough to compare people's acting skills to Morgan Freeman in the original. But I like yeah, the, the direction that they're taking Jamie, Jamie Foxx, where it seems like he's more of a teaching role to uh, Eggsy. I'm going to refer to him as. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that aspect versus where it's just kind of like sidekick role for Morgan Freeman to Kevin Costner.
1: Ah, uh-huh. gotcha. Um, so one, so, so that made me think of, uh, I, my mind just went a million places right there when I was thinking about Kevin Costner. Cause I remember he did, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon here, but I was thinking of Costner did a wire movie and that made me think that tombstone was on today. And, um, this is a total sidebar for Mission impossible, but tombstone, is that top three, for Val Kilmer.
0: Oh, for Val Kilmer. Yeah. Easily.
1: I mean, is it the best for Val Kilmer?
0: Um, it may be his most celebrated role, depending on you know, as a Batman fan, I don't really have him ranked very high as a Batman. Um, uh, ah, it may be his most famous role. I mean, uh, I'm your Huckleberry is probably his most famous phrase. I
1: don't know. I said that to someone the other day. Um, but I so I'm a bit of a movie nerd, so he did this parody movie of spy films, ironically and from 1984 called Top Secret. It used to be on Comedy Central all the time as a kid, so I used to always watch it. Oh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. And he was like a singer. He went over his kind of, fun yeah. of his Elvis movies where Elvis was like a spy, but he's also singing. And I don't know. Right, right. Uh, and he also did the movie Real Genius. Uh, from like yes, James that's movie. right. Yeah, right. so. Um, then there, he, did uh, he also
0: movie. did Island of Dr. Moreau, I believe.
1: Ah, yes, that was. What did you think of that movie?
0: Um, I like. I, I would like to see them remake it to where everyone looks a little more realistic. Uh, just because, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it was animatronics or just little people or or how they actually made the monsters in that one. But I would like to see it remade. But it wasn't. It wasn't the worst. You know what? I think. I think he was also in the Saint that came out right after. <laughs>
1: that was awesome.
0: Uh, yeah, that was a good movie. That came out right after Batman Forever.
1: That's right. So, I was going to say we need to have like a '90s day because there's like. From like clueless on, you can go like having that as a marker. You can have like, I mean, there's there's uh, the Saint, there's Doctor Moreau, there's Broken Down, I think with Kurt Russell or something like that. There's Face oh, yeah. Off. There's yep. uh, um, what's the movie uh, Reservoir Dogs? Uh, all these just like the '90s, like from like '94 to like '99, Armageddon. It's like a great run of cinema.
0: Yeah, it was like last last half of the 90s, really kind of nostalgia-wise, really picked it up. Uh, cool. I don't know where – and, you know, Val is supposed to be in that uh, new Top Gun movie that Tom Cruise is filming. I don't know what shape he's going to be in. The, speaking of <laughs> physique, he's really kind of – but he's rolled really into that sort of self-healing – I don't know if he had cancer or it was something, but he was like really anti-doctor, really self-healing or something or – it was something like that. I don't remember exactly. Did you remember reading about that?
1: I do. I remember having health problems, and I feel bad because compared to Ving Rhames, I do remember as you said that. Like, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, he was the first guy, really, that if you remember him from his 90s movies, and then you saw a picture now, you would be like, wow, something has gone wrong. And it turned out it was health problems.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. So I don't feel that as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, wrapping on Mission Impossible here at OTG yes. Movies. Um, We have a rating system that Chris and I have talked about extensively, and um, he just disregards it every single time. But we'll try again. Um, So, you know, the two thumbs up has already been taken and trademarked, and we can't use that. Um, But we rate our movies on a four-star system. And the way we do that is if a movie is really great, a.k.a. four stars, the highest rating you can get at OTG at the movies, we give it the opening night award, which means I'll go see it opening night. I'm buying my tickets in advance. i may be called in to work that day. I'm getting in line early, and I'm going to see this movie when it comes out. Um, the next rating is our three stars, which is opening weekend matinee. I'm checking it out when it first comes out, but I'll probably do it on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon opening weekend. I still want to see it. I'm just not going to be at the theater at midnight on a Thursday night to watch it. Uh, two stars is On Demand. I want to see the movie but I'm patient enough to wait for it to come out at home. The movie is okay, but again, I have the patience to wait to see it, you know, two months down the line. One star, the most horrible rating we could give here on this podcast is, of course, the Wikipedia read. When you're in bed at 11 o'clock and you're like, hey, what's that movie, Island of Dr. Moreau? I never saw (laughs) this. I didn't want to see it. I'll Google it now and see exactly what it was about and know all I need to know about the movie for the rest of my life in the next 30 seconds. That is the rating we have. Opening night, opening weekend matinee, on demand for the Wikipedia research. Yes. Chris, I toss it to you first. What do you give Mission Impossible Fallout?
0: I'm going to go opening weekend matinee. Okay. Uh, partly because I am interested in the storyline from Mission Impossible 1, now all the way to Mission Impossible 6. Uh, and because of that, uh, it is a movie I'd want to see, but it is not a movie that I would wait in line for or miss work for.
1: Beautiful. I love it. I will go the same. Opening weekend matinee. Uh, I think it's fine family fun. Uh, there's a lot of shoot 'em up bang-bang in the movie. Uh, big explosions. There's some witty lines from Simon Trag and Tom, Tom Cruise. Uh, enough action to keep you engaged for most of the duration of the two-and-a-half hours. Uh, I think some things kind of lag towards the end. Uh, I think it kind of looked like the writers were running out of ideas in the last half hour or so. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, it was still fun. I think that's still why people go to the movies. I don't think you go to the movies for, um, in my opinion, the uh, sort of artsy films. I think you go for the big blockbusters and the explosion. Uh,
0: yes, no one goes to the films for Shock a Lot.
1: Right. <laughs> Precisely, my friend. I was trying to think of Shape of Water. I I just pictured a merman in my head when I was trying to think of. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for some uh, reason, Shock a Lot, I saw on the Netflix scroll, and it just came to mind.
1: There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, that'll do it for our first episode of OTG at the Movies. We want to thank you all for listening and the in. Remind you that we will do this every week. We'll be talking about new movies, old movies, we'll have themes. Maybe get some Christmas movies in around the holidays, which means, of course, a diehard discussion. Uh, and uh, just more talk about movies and films and the things that really fascinate us when we go into movies. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to say thanks to my co host, Chris Green. Check us out, OTG Basketball Family of Pods. Check out otgbasketball.com to find all your things about pop culture and about basketball. Figure that. Chris, anything for the people before we go? Uh, appreciate
0: everyone listening, and uh, we will be better.
1: All right. Leave all that vote of confidence, my friend. Yes. All right, folks. OTG at the movies. That is a wrap.